Um, this time we're half a bottle of rosé in. I know, I'm like already feeling it low key. <laughs> That's the whole point, I guess. I was um rushing to finish my case because I there was a weird miscommunication. You mentioned that you were already knee yeah, deep in another case, I'm, so it was like great. We can just do the podcast and I you. Thought can you were do kidding. I thought you were like, yeah, you're gonna do it then, and I was like, haha. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't know you were actually being serious. Oh. But yeah, no, I but already I did have like. 80% of my case done, so I just finished it. Okay, I really start working on my case for next week instead of working on my apartment. And, and like your job and, and my everything jo- else. Oh my God. My <laughs> life's so such a joke. You take this podcast seriously. Our hobby. Honestly, no this way. is the one thing in my life that actually... <laughs> your life already. <laughs> literally. That actually gives me energy instead of taking it from me. Like yeah. these renovations, I'm telling you, why Sucking am I life. trying to be an adult? Sophie and I are both living at our parents' house. Oh my god. <laughs> As we speak, just that to give some context. Depressing. Um, it is what it is. We have lived alone for many years in between. We just had to come that back. That just makes it extra hard. I know it really does. Like you you have the taste of freedom and now we're like back under like the parents' roof. They do it's give me like house. space, but like Yeah. Well they try to, yeah, but still but they don't clean like my bathroom. She'll like say something and I'm like, okay. I know we're not talking about work, but this is the After Work Murder Club. And that's Lisa. And that's Sophie. Hey. We made it to episode three, which I feel like when you make it to episode three, we're going to keep doing this. Yeah. But uh, in any case, we uploaded our first episode um, a little under a week ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. No, like Wednesday this night. And this is Tuesday week. night. Yeah. This time last week. Yeah. And we have 25 downloads and honestly, 24 more than we expected. <laughs> To be fair, I'm like four of those. And I'm four other. So we have like 10, 12, 11, 13. So hi. Yeah. Thank you for downloading this. Um, you 10 people out there. <laughs> also, Sus, how did you find us? Because we tried to Google ourselves and we did not find our podcast. So you, if you're listening to this, you're knee deep in True Crime yeah, Podcasts. Really. And I applaud you. Congrats. You're my kind of person. You made it to the niche true crime area on <laughs> Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this. Not on Spotify, because we're not there yet. Because <laughs> apparently, you have to pay for that shit. <laughs> and we're using the free account for now. I mean, once you get like rich and famous, we'll like pay $9 a month to get on Spotify. Also, follow us on Instagram and let us know who you are. Because if you're um, one of the 21st followers <laughs> and we ever get rich and famous, we will remember you. We will. We'll put your handles in our bio, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we do have an Instagram account. By the time you're um hearing this yeah we will have an instagram yeah. account so check it out it's just after murder club mm-hmm. um we have some fun we ha- we made this whole like brand book type of thing of like we're such marketeers we need to stop we're using our the things that we're supposed to do at work for the things that actually make us happy outside of work yeah which, honestly that's what life's about yeah period <laughs> Also, anything that we are talking about in this case, if it's about like pictures or maps or things that you really need to visualize, um, we'll put on there. We kind of have like a little folder per case, a little slider on Instagram. So um, if you're listening to this and you have the opportunity to uh, look at that in the meantime, do that. If you're in a car, don't do it. You can just listen to us. It's not a big deal. Um, It's not worth it it's having an accident stop put your phone away right now you there doing it stop 
Okay. Eyes on the road, people. Eyes on the road. All right. Speaking of roads. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, that brings us. <laughs> no, yeah. So it's my turn to bring the case. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you're going to you're gonna know this case. But it's just like one of my... I don't want to say fa- oh my God, favorites because that's like morbid. But like... Mm. It's something about the setting that just like really... Sometimes I hate listening to podcasts where I'm like, oh, I've heard about this case. Um, and then other times I really like it because other podcasts, other perspective, yeah, um, especially when it's multiple people on the podcast and you have like reactions and you're like, oh my God, that was, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Or if it's a case you haven't heard in a while and you're like, oh my God, I forgot about right. that one. And like, it's basically like you're hearing it for the first time again. That yeah. was me researching this. I was like, okay, I love sucked that. into this again. And I was like, holy shit, this is actually really good. Tragic, but good. <laughs> All right, so the case that I've prepared for this week... I'm so excited. the Camp Scott Girl Scout murders. Thank you, thank you. I'm assuming you've heard. I love them. Also, I used to be the Girl Scout, so very familiar. Oh my God, for how long? So I know like in Belgium, it's like a different... It's like a cult. So 17 years. Oh my God, yeah. I can totally picture you when you go to school and your skirts. I'm like, yeah, I hate it. Finding out a Dude, lot about a each other. Friends. I know. It's a group of friends. Yeah, I, yeah. It's where you have your first beer. Yeah. It's where you have the friends that have known you since you were three. Yeah, literally. Um, also, I'm from a kind of small town where everyone is in a youth movement, whether it be the Girl Scout, Boy Scout, or something like, like that. Yeah. Um, so every party when you're a teenager yeah. is organized by one yeah, of those groups true. as a like a fundraiser things like that it must be so comfortable for parents knowing that your kid is going out quote-unquote um like with like with like the the girls from girl scout it's yeah. like well i could possibly be yeah. happening and then idea. they know everyone that is in that group and it's such a safe environment honestly okay i'm gonna stop but good memories all right. All right. Let's get into this case now. All right. I'm excited. She's long, but she's detailed. She's a good one. And she's outdoorsy. Okay. Love that. Honestly, I've heard about it um, a it, lot of times. Yeah. Like, I've heard a few podcasts on it, mm-hmm. but every time there's new details, there's so much to this case. There is. That yeah. I'm really interested to see what angle you go for and the timeline like i i have split up my text with like headers which i don't do normally because it's, okay there's just a lot going on yeah but not in like structure way. yeah okay yeah i'm trying to make this as like easy to understand okay okay okay, okay, okay. all right so this all takes place on june 12th 1977 okay 70s. So 70s yeah eight years after the moon landing <laughs> just give you an idea um, about 130 Girl Scouts from all over the Tulsa, Oklahoma area um, gathered at the Girl Scouts headquarters in Tulsa. All right. They're about to leave for their annual two-week-long camping trip in Camp Scott. Um, Camp Scott is located like two miles from this tiny town called Locust Grove. Okay. And it's 50 miles from Tulsa, which is like the big... I, I don't know if that's the capital of Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean... I feel like it is. Or it's Tulsa. the capital of true crime, because I feel like I've... Tulsa I've says, heard so much about Tulsa. Chandler from Friends moved to Tulsa for a bit. If, you, if you're a Friends fan, you'll know that. Sus. <laughs> 
Um, so it's about 50 miles from Tulsa, which is like a little bit over an hour drive away, mm-hmm. which is like not That's that okay, far, yeah. yeah. Um, Camp Scott was on 410 acres of land. What is that, Elisa? 410 <laughs> acres? It's 1.7 square kilometers for my metric people out there. Okay. Which is decent for decent. a Decent, yeah. You can do a lot there. So there's a 130 Girl Scout. 130 girls on 1.7 square kilometer of land. <laughs> right yeah. okay they were spread out yeah, so it was very densely wooded terrain um but this camp had been operated by the girl scouts since 1928 so it's okay. been like 50 years at this point and they've had like annual trips okay so they go there every year yeah. they're familiar with the area it's been going on for like okay. generations at this point yeah yeah okay um so camp scott consisted of 10 different campsites so they're like little okay. clusters okay, okay um they were all named after like native american tribes mm-hmm to make it we just love girl scouts yeah literally um and it also had a great hall which is where like they ate and things like that and it also had a swimming pool which i feel like was low-key bougie <laughs> i don't know okay i thought they would swim in like a lake I don't was, know. was girl scouting was that like a uh, upper class thing no it wasn't i don't right? think i don't think so no. i would not i wouldn't assume that it was like a high class like it's still such a current like a present yeah. thing today and I don't remember it being like no. high class. I feel like anyone okay. could really do it. Um, so the events that took place during this particular trip in 1977 happened in the Kiowa camp area. So that's one of the 10 campsites. Okay. Um, and the Kiowa camp is where like the younger Girl Scouts would sleep. So, okay. So like, the youngest ones. Um, the tents at Kiowa camp were set up in like a horseshoe pattern. It's like a Love U-ish. That. Yeah. Um, and it had eight large canvas tents with three to four cots per tent. So it had like three to four girls per tent. The level of detail is already making me uneasy. I'm like, what is going to happen in this horseshoe? I'm telling you, like, this horseshoe. <laughs> I, yeah, no, there's a lot of, I've tried to like shave it down, but okay. I feel like to set the really scene. Really setting scene. Three yeah. to four girls per tent, eight okay. tents in a horseshoe. This is all important, by the way. Yeah. Um, so total in Camp Kiowa, there were 27 Girl Scouts, young girls around like 8 to 11-ish years old. Okay. Um, this particular- Which is quite a lot because there were 10 campsites and there's 130 girls. Yeah. So it would be an average of 13 per yeah. campsite. So this so one was this like one, pretty like large. The, the smallest one, like the... This one was like the biggest one, I would say. Yeah, but the smallest kids. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> with the youngest, the youngest yeah, kids. Were- <laughs> Small? Dinglish? Dinglish? Love it. Um, So this Kiowa camp specifically was like the furthest west of the camp, the total camp area. So it was like the most isolated out of all of them. Um, And it was like the furthest from the main trail where people would like go on to walk to the main hall. Okay. This main trail for fun was called the Cookie Trail. The Cookie Trail? Love that. Girl Scout Cookie? Yeah, literally. Wow. Um, (laughs) So Carla Wilhite, who was 18, Susan Ewing, Ewing, who's also 18, and D. Elder, who was 20, were assigned as the three counselors for Kiowa Camp. So these three, like, teenagers were tasked to look after the 27 kids at Kiowa Camp. Okay, but that's how it goes in Girl Scout. It's like, the counselors are 20-something-year-old, and I used to be so upset when I was a counselor. It's like, 
when people from the outside looking it's like it's kids taking care of kids it Loki is though it's not it's not you're so responsible mm-hmm. like i used to guard these kids with my life yeah i feel like there's obviously a lot of training and like i'm assuming those counselors also were girl scouts like they've been in yes this for they've like been in that forever like they know that campsite they've been yeah. there yeah mm-hmm. anyway i would get that I feel like just because it's like a true crime case, people. Because when like, you get a like, I I think it's so funny when people say that about Girl Scouting, kids taking care of kids, and then they get a sitter. <laughs> okay, I was sixteen when I had to take care of like a two month year old. Yeah, child. like how I'm, are you leaving your child yeah, in my hands? I had never I'm changed 15. a diaper before in my yeah. life, type of deal. Yeah, which at the time I was like, I'm sixteen. Now I'm like, bitch, I was sixteen. Dude. What the fuck. <laughs> I'm like, what were you doing? You were paying me for yeah, that? Yeah, I was like, no. okay, this feels illegal. But anyway, that's a different story for a different time. Um, <clears throat> so Lori Lee Farmer, who was eight years old. Michelle Heather Goose, who was nine. It's G-U-S-E, not like G-O-O. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's unfortunate, poor girl. Um, and Doris Denise Milner, was, who was 10 at the time, they were all assigned to tent number eight within Kiowa camp so 10-8 was at the end of the horseshoe that we talked about earlier Um, and it was closest to the bathroom but the furthest away from the counselor tent so the counselor tent was basically on the other end of the horseshoe yeah okay um why is it not in the middle okay this let's talk about this because i do not understand i'm assuming again like hindsight is everything yeah why was the counselor's tent not in the middle with like a circle of tents around it why the fuck what's with the horseshoe yeah who thought that was a good idea the thing is if the counselor tent is in the middle and the counselors stay up later than the girls they might wake everyone up is that i feel like they would need also to them. it's not because you're like in the beginning of the horseshoe that you have to like run the entire way to go to the other side like basically the girls were kind of close if you just go in a straight line you would think that in bird in like bird flight yeah yeah but we're talking about insanely dense woods here oh okay so the way that the tents were set up made it hard for one so there's to see oh the there's tent. trees in between yeah so it's not like a Sus. field moment where you're just like in, in a cute little you okay moment. no yeah, okay because no. i was no yeah i know i was thinking yeah. about an open field yeah and there's like a you moment and then maybe there's like campfire no in the middle. i thought no. it was cute like that okay um, i'll put a map on it on our instagram, on instagram. If okay you're interested to see because at first i was like yeah you shape who cares no this actually mattered <laughs> oh no fuck um off. so yeah the tent next to you was basically invisible because of the dense woods so like yeah you were in a u-shape but you didn't know because you couldn't really see like the other tents um tent eight which is where those three girls were in was also out of sight from the counselors because the bathroom shower building was like blocking it okay so there's no direct line of view between them because of this building as well so if we really think about it so worried oh my god (laughs) think about it um yes there's three counselors for 27 kids which is fair enough um yeah but if we think about the way these tents have been set up these girls all of them in the horseshoe were basically like isolated yeah they were like little tents by themselves part of like this bigger kiowa camp oh my god but it just was like not really imagine doing that today that's what imagine the complaints you'll be getting from parents how it was here like oh my 
fucking god. Was it like a circle? Until you're like a certain age, until you're like 12 years old and you go to high school, you sleep in a building. Oh, really? And then you go outside and you sleep in tents. Oh, um, okay. But you're in like, an open space. But you're like 15, 16 at that point. You're like, yeah, 13. 13 is the youngest. Okay. Okay. Um, Not like eight. And like an open field mm-hmm. where everyone's kind of close to each okay. other. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying the things that are about to happen might not happen, but they're very unlikely to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but like hearing how that this was set up, mm-hmm. there is no way, no way, no way that would happen. Yeah. Also, the tents, at least the, the tents that I used to sleep in, there's like 10 to 12 people. Not three to four girls oh, by themselves. Three to four? I would think in, if you're in the younger section of the camp that there would be a counselor in your tent. They would have eight counselors, yeah. one per tent. Yeah. That's what I would think now if you're talking 11 and under. Honestly, you're honest. right. You're right. Like, also, like three to four girls in a tent alone, not like from a counselor point of view, not a good idea. Right. Because they'll be talking mm-hmm. the entire night. 10 to 12, yeah. like... It's it's different. One of them will also, you if up, you are yeah. an attacker, just foreshadowing. But if you're an attacker, even if there are only eight, ten is a lot of kids, man. You'd yeah. Like one would escape and go alarm the others. Yeah. Like you cannot handle Tens ten at the same Tens time. You would need multiple. People. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so um, let's have a little sippy sip. Okay, let's just have this moment. We're drinking white claws again. I found them at a random grocery store. Again, super random. Like a grocery store that was open on a Sunday. These are the ones. That's where I got mine from last and time. Now I know that it's there. I'm like, okay. So, Doris Denise Milner, who was the 10-year-old, um, she was one of the girls in Tent 8. She was a first-time camper at Camp Scott. And she was actually, like, homesick and, like, reluctant to leave her parents for the week because it was her Aww. first time. She's only, like, she's 10 which is like not eight, but it's still 10. It's still mm. like pretty young. Um, and she was like already at the headquarters in Tulsa and she was already kind of like, I don't want to go. Like, I don't want to leave you guys. Oh. Mom and dad. Like, I just, I'm not feeling it, which mm. I've been there multiple times. Um, so 15 year old Michelle Hoffman, who was a first time camp counselor, noticed that Denise was a, not only a first time camper, she was also the only African American black girl. Okay at the camp and um michelle was also black so she took it upon herself to kind of take denise under her wing she's like we're both first time like she's a first time camper uh, michelle was a first time counselor so she's like we're kind of in this together i'll take care of you she promised Aww, yeah, that's nice. honestly so nice it's something like having someone like when you're 10 and someone else is 15 they're like 20 years older than you in your head and, and she's the coolest thing ever and if she's your friend yeah. you're cool she's like, i'll take care of you and you're like okay i have like kind of a mom here yeah. as well um, so she told um, her parents, like, if Denise still feels this homesick the next day, she can call home on my phone. She can call you guys and you guys can come, like, pick her up. Like, I'm not, we're not going to, like, this we're not trip, gonna this two-week her. camping trip is supposed to be fun. Yeah. Obviously, there's going to be a ton Aww. of kids who, like, miss their yeah. parents, who miss their home. But when they get there, they're going to realize that they're going to have a good exactly, time. Yeah. But she's like, you know, if she still feels this crappy about it, by all means, she can call home. She can call you guys and it'll be okay. And she was talking to Denise about, like, all the fun stuff they're going to be doing. Like, I can't. The whole, like, roasting marshmallows. And I can't. I just. She was just, like, having a good time. She's like, we're going to do all this Wait, fun stuff. are we now talking about the first night? So this is, like, the bus to this camp. Is, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, 
So they arrived at the camp between 3.30 and 4 p.m. And Denise met her bunkmates, Lori and Michelle. So they're the only three people. In like the I tent. said, three to four cots. There was only yeah. three people in that tent. And they instantly hit it off, which love oh, that. Honestly, love that. I was such a scaredy cat whenever I would like go on like stay away camps. I would always like smuggle in my phone to like call my mom. Mm. I was that bitch, honestly. But meeting people like in your bunk that you're like, oh my God, I can actually like kind of be friends with them is such a relief. Yeah. Love that for her. So she was feeling really great. Um, the campers were getting settled. Um, they were about to go to the dining hall to get food, to get dinner. And a thunderstorm was, like, starting to roll through camp, which so cozy. Love, like, having dinner with, like, new people. You're, oh, like, Oh, my God. Buzzing. When I was a Girl Scout, we used to pray for what we call tent days, where all the activities that the counselors planned for yeah. that day just couldn't happen because of all the rain. And right. we're, like, ten day, ten day. Like in Belgium, that's like, prevalent because it rains here, like, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> eh, well, you go on summer camp. And then you're 13 and you're just in a tent reading like stupid teenage magazines and like talking, talking about like your first period. Ah, Yeah, UPA had a subscription on that. Sex, mind, and body. Dude, that was the first time I learned about like penises and shit. Yeah, it was was always the same thing. Like I went to a public bathroom. Could I be pregnant? Dude, yeah. Dude, it's like I made out with my boyfriend. Um, Do I need to get the plan B? And it's like, no, you're okay. It's like, as long as his genital... Anyway. <laughs> I'm not getting into that. This is like the Belgian, like... I don't even know what the equivalent would be for... Cosmopolitan? Like, no, Seventeen magazine. I don't know how... Pe- yeah. Like, how R-rated... Because this was, was. This pretty... Was like, they would, yeah. Yeah, it really was. It would be for, like... And it was, like, young so naughty. teens to ask about, like, random intimate questions yeah. that they had that they were, like, too scared to ask their parents or, like, teachers or whatever. Yeah, and, like, one of my favorite columns in there or, like, sections was She Confesses. Dude, I love that. I love that. And, like, people would tell, like, their awkward stories yeah. and you'd read that and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> people are doing things that are far more awkward like posting it in a magazine honestly that was a cultural moment for me they had like the special edition with like the extra poster on the front and like the plastic bag she's already told us about this in episode one yeah. if you haven't heard it go, so that go huge listen. door poster of taylor lautner like jumping it was like a brown white like a sepia toned <laughs> oh fuck no. <laughs> no poster on the back of that door bt dubs oh wow um that was from UP. And my entire bedroom cave area upstairs, I had like a Harry Styles post. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> also, the translation of UP is like, yay. Yeah. UP is like, woo. Woo. Which is fucked up. <laughs> um, so, yeah. How did we even get to that? Because I just remembered where we left off, which was, it we're was. talking about eight-year-old girl. It was thundering and they were eating dinner. <laughs> We moved on to like Sophie's dildo experience. <laughs> um, anyways, oh this is why this is because I had to like tick a box to post it on Apple Podcast if it was like explicit or not. And I'm like, definitely, explicit. yeah, we're not even gonna debate this anyway. Um, so they were this was a Sunday, by the way. I feel like that might be interesting to okay. let you know. It's yeah. a Sunday, God's day, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were in the dining hall enjoying their late Sunday evening sing-alongs. Aww. <laughs> 
the counselors were going over like the camp rules and the itinerary just like all the like logistical things mm. of like what they can look forward to and like how the, yeah. what the rules were bedtime wake up time yeah. all that shit um so afterwards the girls went back to their tents where they spent the rest of the night talking and writing letters back home before they Cute. went to sleep because it was raining and thundering so there was yeah. no point not being outside giggling yeah and, like yeah. they were basically kind of confined to their tents because of that but they like made the best of it um they actually recovered the final letter that Lori farmer wrote to her parents okay we're already talking about final letters so um, this already sounds dramatic yeah so Lori <laughs> lee farmer was the eight-year-old who was in 10-8 just because i feel like there's a lot of information the letter said dear mom and dad and Misty, and Joe, and Chad, and Kathy. It's like she had a lot of friends to talk to, oh. or like her pets or something. Um, we're just getting ready to go to bed. It's 7.45. We're at the beginning of the storm and having a lot of fun. I've met two new friends, Michelle Goose and Denise Milner. I'm sharing a tent with them. It started raining on the way back from dinner. We're sleeping on cots. I couldn't wait to write. We're all riding, like riding a horse oh. instead of like writing a letter. Oh. We're all writing letters now because there's hardly anything else to do with love, Lori. So they recovered that from like the tent that they were in, which is heartbreaking that she was so excited to like, mm. I don't know. I feel like at the start, I feel like they just really hit it off those three girls and like it's yeah. like, like a comforting feeling. Um, I also read somewhere that there was actually supposed to be a fourth girl who stayed in tent eight with them. Okay. But because of the storm that was passing through, she stayed at another camp that she was assigned okay. to, which is, I don't, I don't know. I've only read this in one other article. I don't know why they would as- assign this one girl to another camp because of the storm and not the three others. It yeah. It feels kind of weird. I thought I would like mention it anyway, but maybe okay no we love with, detail like, a grain of salt yeah so the timeline um at some time before 10 p.m on june 12th so that sunday the counselor of the comanche camp so one of the other 10 mm-hmm. camps saw a light in the forest moving north towards kiowa camp which is where the three girls were staying mm-hmm. um but she wasn't sure like who or what it was so she mm-hmm. just kind of like disregarded it um michelle which was the other african-american girl mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she checked in on denise before she settled in to see how she was doing she like promised her parents that she would take yeah. extra care of denise and she saw that denise and her tent mates were getting along really well so she was also feeling like really great about it she's like yeah. i probably won't have to call her parents tomorrow because she's like already feeling really comforted yeah she's having that i told you so moment yeah she's, she's like, like you just need see? to do it and figure it yeah. out to know that everything's gonna be okay <laughs> it's tragic it's tragic um so she so denise so wait no michelle told everyone good night in that tent um and then between 10 and 10 30 d elder who was one of the other three mm-hmm. camp counselors did a final tent check of kiowa camp to make sure everyone everyone was settled and tucked into bed and sleeping and she found that everything was perfectly fine okay so this was 10 to 10 30 okay around 11 30 carla who was one of the other camp kiowa counselors went to quiet down a couple of the tents because the girls were making too much noise of course we already talked about the numbers three to four guaranteed to have some like nighttime talks yeah um so this did not include tents eight or seven so it was like 
okay in the other part of the horseshoe <laughs> so they're not they're not sure what was going on at that time in those tents. yeah they just heard noise from other campers mm-hmm. from that from the other tents um so carla got up again shortly after midnight because some of the girls from tent two which was right next to the counselor tent um, had all gone to the bathroom together and they were making a lot of noise again so this was after midnight so she escorted them back to their tents and told them to shut the fuck up because <laughs> it was after midnight and like you know yeah. it is what it is um so they did be quiet <laughs> and they went back to sleep um so the other tents weren't making any noise at that point not mm. even a peep so it's just 10 oh, 2 okay um at 1.30 a.m., the girls from tent 6 were now making noise, and Carla again told them to zip it. Um, and at the same time, she said she heard a strange sound coming from behind the tents, like in the forest area. In the She said in hindsight. Yeah. She said she just heard a weird sound. Um, she couldn't determine... But did she think anything of it at the time? Well, yeah. She said she described it as a low guttural sound. So she didn't know if it was like an animal or a human. I feel like she probably thought it was like some kind of like boar or just like a random like... F- they were in the yeah. forest. I feel like if you heard a guttural sound... Just I feel like if like, you really thought it was a human, you'd be more alarmed yeah. than if she it just, was like, an heard animal. Her, yeah, exactly. She didn't hear like a voice or like mm. English being okay. spoken. It was just okay. like a weird guttural sound so she kind of was like okay i'm just gonna go back into my tent because like i don't know what the fuck that is um so she just returned to her tent but she said she continued to hear the same sound intermittently which okay i i don't i just like i'm trying to filter out like what would happen regularly like like obviously you're gonna hear sounds if you're in like the middle i don't know the the tulsa area but like it must have been not super alarming I feel like they just thought it was, like, night, like, forest sounds, like, birds or, like, critters mm. or whatever. I remember when I was camping out in the woods being a Girl Scout, like, you'd hear a lot of, like, leaves and, like... Yeah, exactly, <sighs> yeah. And if you really thought anything of it, you could be scared, but then it could literally be anything. Exactly. Like, no one would ever report yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So maybe, like, the growling sound was also pretty normal exactly like i'm them. thinking if nothing had happened if this wasn't even a case that we would be talking about she wouldn't would just, even remember yeah. like it just would be like a, oh yeah like of course you're gonna hear things yeah. it doesn't mean it's significant mm-hmm. yeah. type of thing um so around 3 a.m there were two more reports of girls in other camps so not kiowa camp being woken by noises so one reported a single scream um some articles said it was more around 1 a.m. and not 3 a.m. Just side okay. note. And the other report was a girl crying out for her mother. <laughs> Which, like, oh. Fair enough. But, like, like, get it. but good that anyone that was questioned was literally telling every everything like, yeah, they heard. I heard some it's chick, like, yeah. I heard someone fart next to me, but yeah. maybe it's significant. So I just wanted to have that said. Um... So around the same time, though, this is 3 a.m. again, someone was moving through Kiowa camp, reaching into tents and stealing items like purses and several pairs of prescription glasses, which I'm like, why the fuck? 
What, what the even? actual fuck? I put a question mark between brackets because I'm like, why the fuck? <laughs> like, literally, why the fuck would you steal you prescription like, glasses? I'm like, it's like, it's act- like that actually happened. That's weird. There's though. people who just like get a kick off of like taking random shit that has like mm. no value. Just like the fact that they can do it. Like, honestly, very sinister. So the last observation from a surviving witness was from the girls in tent seven, which is the one like quote-unquote next to ten eight. um they said that their tent flap was pulled back and a man shone shone a light into their tent okay um which that would give me enough material to take the first bus back home just like what would you actually do would you go outside i think well i don't know how to be honest, it's 3 a.m. at this point, around 3 a.m. Maybe she's like, it's one of it's the counselors. It's a camp counselor, exactly. Yeah. They're just doing a check. I wouldn't think too much about it. In hindsight, you're kind of like, wait, yeah. this happened. Maybe it's not normal. I think they definitely probably thought it was some of the girls just mm-hmm. checking on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a few seconds, the flap was put back and the person moved on to 10-8. So Carla's alarm, Carla is one of the counselors from Kiowa camp, her alarm went off at 6 a.m. So oh, my God. We're jumping to yeah, the next morning? Stop. So this is, yeah, this is like period um, nights over. Okay. So Carla's alarm went off at 6 a.m. because she wanted to shower before the other campers woke okay. up. She headed towards the staff house and she spotted something on the trail, the cookie trail. Okay. Um, she thought someone had just like randomly dropped some of their camping gear or like sleeping bags on the trail. Uh, but when she approached the bundles, she discovered the body of Denise Milner laying next to the camping gear, sleeping bags on the trail. The body? Yeah. Like, it was immediately like, clear that it's a body? Yeah. Like, she was just laying there. She was face up. She was naked from the waist down, which, like, absolutely... I'm throwing up. It's just, like, it's a chi- It's a little child. It's a baby. Yeah. It's a baby. It's yeah. someone's baby. It's... Okay. Anything where it's, like, naked from the... Because I know, like, Starved Rock Murders, there was also Mm. one of the three women was naked from the waist down. That's awful when it's an eight-year-old child or how old was Denise? Like, what, ten? It's just disturbing to the next level. She was ten. She was, like, the oldest, quote-unquote oldest of the three. Mm. It's just, like, I can't believe you took off, like, her pajamas. It's just awful. PGAs with little sailing boats on Yeah. It, it's just like the most innocent awful um carla immediately wakes up the other two counselors and she was um they like start checking for the other children to see if everyone's okay if it was like a weird freak accident or something um and they quickly discovered that all three girls in 10-8 were missing and the camp nurse was immediately informed and she checked the body they had found so denise's body to see if there was any signs of life or like anything that she could do about it um, but she had been found bound and her mouth was stuffed with a pre-made gag. Fuck off. Yeah. Again, like a pre-made, meaning that they thought she wasn't it. gagged with anything that was hers. Yeah. Like with her underwear or yeah. PJs or something. Yeah, like, like they brought okay. it into the scene. Okay. Um, so premeditated, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're, I don't even know how you would pre-make a gag. I feel like yeah, that would, that's just like an extra step that you need to take. Yeah. She was sexually assaulted and bludgeoned, and then her cause of death was strangulation. Okay. 
um, the camp director's husband arrived on the scene later and discovered the other two bodies still in the sleeping bags. So at this point, um, they thought that Denise Mulner was alone. And like the two, like the camping gear that they found on the trail was just like random sleeping okay. bags on the ground. But the, the bodies of Lori and Michelle were actually in those bags. Oh, God. They just hadn't noticed yet. Um, so the camp director's husband places the other sleeping bag that's empty, obviously, over Denise to kind of cover up, yeah, like, cover up her a little bit. So it's kind of just like an awful, disgusting sight. Um, and Lorraine and Michelle were both bludgeoned to death, like that was their cause of death. So oh, they weren't like strangled or anything, yeah. but they were both bludgeoned. Um, and Michelle had also been bound with her wrists tied together. So Michelle and Denise had been bound, and Lori hadn't. Just to... Okay. All three girls had been oh, sexually God. assaulted, which... <gasps> Did they find anything, like, yeah. when so, examining them? Um, basically, um, the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation was requested to assist in assessing the crime scene and just, like, assist in the overall mm-hmm. investigation. Because, obviously, we're talking about three babies yeah. who had been awfully, like, sexually assaulted, just, like... a heinous crime um so the oklahoma state bureau of investigation was like immediately Mm. put onto the case as they should there actually was like a lot of critique in the aftermath because camp scott actually called their attorney and insurance company first before informing the parents about the incident or any of the parents about the incident that took place so they like okay took the time to make sure that they were covered before informing literally any other soul outside oh, of Camp God. Scott. That's not good. So that was like not the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so by eight a.m., police had arrived on the scene and they found one set of boot prints leading from Kiowa Camp to the spot where the bodies were found, and the tent flooring from tent eight was covered in blood. And it appeared that the killer or, like, multiple killers are still, like, not completely out on that. They had made an attempt to cover up the crime by using towels and a mattress to wipe up the pools of blood. Which is strange because they then proceed to dump the bodies on the trail where people will be... I just... Can we just mentally put a picture up of people mopping up blood with a mattress and, like, how frantic and weird... Like, yeah, that's friend. Yeah. That's like desperate. Yeah. So a footprint was found outside the tent, and it belonged to a tennis shoe, and a different print was found inside the tent, belonging to like a boot. Okay. So they're like interesting, perhaps two people. Okay. One could think. Um, other significant evidence found at the scene included fingerprints on the bodies, um, cord, duct tape. And a red flashlight that had been left on top of one of the bodies. They're also... Okay, they were sloppy. They genuinely did not give a flying fuck. <laughs> like, making this... A, I mean, it was... I feel like it was premeditated, but also, like, not really that premeditated. Like, they really just went no. for it. So there seemed to be a bloody fingerprint on the lens of the flashlight. Okay. Um, there was also a hair caught in a piece of duct tape that was did not belong to any of the oh girls. God. So they had like a significant amount of evidence. I feel like that wasn't... It starts to sound like they didn't plan on killing. Because they were so sloppy? And because, like like you said, the mopping... 
the mopping really... was done so like frantically yeah. and like I feel like they were panicking maybe they clearly yeah that's and since they were all sexually assaulted I feel like maybe that was their first intent and they didn't mean on like actually going through with it but then they were like you know how killers were like and then it got out of hand and i had no other yeah. choice yeah yeah like i'm pretty sure you had another choice you had a choice not to do shit yeah yeah okay anyway um so the time of death was ruled to be between 2 and 4 a.m of that night which remember when he heard like the scream of the girl yeah. and the other girl calling out for her mom, which could be compl- like completely, yeah, completely unrelated, but okay. That was just like two observations. Um, so investigators believe that Lori and Michelle were both bludgeoned to death inside of the tent because there was a bunch of like blood splatters on the wall and the floor Oof. of the tent, like a canvas tent. So Ooh. they they were like, okay, these two girls, like the site of killing was in the tent and Denise was believed to have been walked over to the area where the bodies were eventually found and, like, strangled oh, there. poor girl. On, yeah. <clears throat> like, you can't even start to comprehend, like, what they were thinking. Like, I don't even like know if they were thinking. what she was thinking. Like, two of her friends murdered? In the dar- It's, like, dark. You're completely, like, disoriented. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, so like we already discussed, they also concluded that the murders were premeditated because the gag in Denise's mouth was mm-hmm. like pre-sewn and pre-made. And the killer had actually brought nylon rope and duct tape with him already to mm. bind the victims. So it was like they already brought their materials okay. to the scene um, to commit the crime. So the bloody fingerprint that was found on the lens of the flashlight was failed to be ad- identified. So authorities couldn't match it with a single person in their 70s have they run it again i don't know i don't know about the bloody fingerprint there's like other evidence okay 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 okay. i'm gonna be patient but the bloody fingerprint was a bust um another interesting piece of information to note that that goes along with the idea that the murders weren't were premeditated was that the counselors had like one of the other counselors from outside of kiowa camp um, had said that her cabin had be ran- had been ransacked back in April. This is June. Her cabin was ransacked back in April. So like people were. So some. She just got back to her tent, and her like the box of donuts that she had was completely eaten, gone. Which. But I'm do like, we think it's related? Well, inside the empty donut box, there was a note that had been left behind, and the note said, "We are on a mission to kill three girls in tent one." And it was signed, the killer. Quote, the killer. No fucking way. So he thought it was sent one and it, he started the, the wrong end. <laughs> Dude, I didn't even think about that. They were trying to kill, like, the counselors. Because they were the at the horseshoe. outside. Well, this, the the where, like, where they put this note down, it was in a different camp. Like, I don't know how. But still. Yeah. They said specifically three, three girls, girls in tent one signed the okay, killer. Okay, sus. She never, she never reported no, that? No, she did. Okay, um, of course she yeah. did. I hate police. Honestly. No, she the reported more cases. Yeah, I, read, the more I hate police. It's not actually police. It didn't even get that far, which is like even worse. No fucking the way. Ca- the camp director, like she told the camp was like, director, this is a bad and she thought joke. it was a joke. Yeah, or mm-hmm. he. I don't know. I, I think it's a she. Um, she treated it as a joke, which I didn't know. Shit like this was funny back in the seventies to like leave notes behind me, like I'm gonna kill three girls and you're a Girl Scout camp in the middle of the woods. 
um and you didn't know who did it if it was like a prank and you knew that it was like i mean even if it was a prank it's fucked up i mean people with us people playing pranks on other people that are like kind of serious that was punished severely like that was not something that people made fun of no i remember one time when we were younger they asked everyone that was like one year younger and was gonna be a counselor next year Mm -hmm. to join like camp and help out we were staying in one part of the campsite but another group of girl scout from a town like like miles away from ours was um staying at the other side of the campsite and you know like some of the kids were like making friends with the kids of the other group and it was a good time and um one night we go check on our kids and everyone's there and and everything's fine but um three minutes later one of the counselors of the other group walks in she's crying she's like please please can you help us we've lost the kit and they so what they did is like what we do is we go into the woods. Oh my god! When I'm telling the story, you went into the fucking now, woods. Now, now I realize that we are literally the people in this story. Yeah. Like you go into woods and you, you do what you call a scare journey, and it's basically where all the kids have to like follow a rope, <gasps> and there's only like candles in in the woods. That, Dude, and that's the only light, and like the counselors are on the way, and they're like, Wah! What? And they're like scaring you, and you just have it's to like up. make it through, and you just have to like follow the rope and it's so fun like they did that and then they counted all the kids and they were missing one stop it stop it yeah so all of our counselors went in search and we called the police and we called the parents and like the army was called and there were like helicopters like within the hour like when you were telling me like they first uh, called the insurance I'm like okay that's not what happened with us like within the hour the army was there like police was there there were helicopters but you have to know it's like it's acres and acres and acres of woods and like we were like fuck where is he going so we were looking and i will not i will not say the name because we found the kid we found the what kid. was but the like kid doing for fucking five hours at least 70 people were calling turns out like the kid wasn't even like respond the kid was hearing this and he wasn't even responding he because he was, was that scared oh no he was that scared Why? um because he was following the rope and like the candles blew out and he was so scared and he just stood no. there and then like it started raining so he ran to the nearest tree and then oh he was like my lost god. oh my god that's um, so dangerous low key high key but when um he was telling the story um he was telling his counselors that like three of the older guys were like oh are you scared you should go hide uh, oh, underneath that tree oh my god um that's fucked and up. he was he was telling counselors and the counselor was like okay who the fuck are these yeah. three fuckers they didn't say words and then yeah. when the guy when he was found actually told the story these three guys i Got swear fucked. no one did dishes for the rest of the week the these three yeah. guys guys did it like i'm not even sure they were allowed back into group the next year like their parents were notified yeah. that Dude. is not funny how old was you? this kid he was oh my god he was like between eight or ten. Oh god, it's the worst. It's like Why would day. you do that to I don't know. <laughs> All right. Took a pee break. Okay. So, where were we? Um, we were at the empty donut box with the note that said we were on a mission to kill three girls in ten one. That was signed okay. to the killer. That the camp director thought was like an LOL moment. 
so the autopsy revealed that the weapons that were used were held in both the left and the right hands. They did this based literally off of like the bludgeoned wounds. Oh, yeah, and like the blood spatters. Yeah, and, because like, they actually didn't find any weapons. Okay. But based off of the wounds that they identified on the bodies, they could tell that it was like a left and right okay. handed. Chop. Both wielded. Um, so they were like, si- these could be signs of like a second killer. Okay. Again, with like the footprints, like mm-hmm. the tennis shoe and the mm-hmm. boots. Like there's been like multiple signs that there's mm-hmm. not just one person who did this. Um, the rope and the duct tape that was used um, on the girls had recently been stolen from a farm about a mile from Camp Scott. Okay. So they interviewed the farmer um, where the rope and the duct tape was taken from. His name was Jack Schroff. Um, but he had like a solid alibi and he passed a voluntary lie detector test okay so good for like, him yeah good for him that because like imagine that you're that guy and it's actually stolen from your house and you were just watching telly that I night literally it's like how do you oh, even gosh. begin to explain that that it's like not you it just was like your duct tape yeah so he was com- like not even a suspect remotely he was okay. completely cleared but then that's even more premeditated it's like they so went it wasn't like a it. drunk whim Okay. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, so they used police dogs on the scene to figure out any more leads. And they located a cave two miles away from Camp Scott. And in that cave, there was red underwear. What? Um, a flashlight. Male or female? Ma- uh, female. Okay. <laughs> Boxers. No, red lady underwear. Okay. A flashlight battery, a newspaper glasses prescription no glasses okay we have a very very specific fetish here yeah that had been stolen from the camp actually like the glasses belonged to a camp counselor and there was like wedding photos of women or like photos of women there as well um and they were all able to link this like bundle of creepy evidence Mm. to this one dude called gene Leroy hart okay the most killer name not like killer like yes like serial killer like Mm. creepy gene Leroy hart gene gene no g-e-n-e okay bye eugene dude (laughs) um so not only the name was sus the wall of the cave also read the killer was here bye bye fools and then the date, 77 6 17. So no 17th of way. June, 1977. Which... This makes me think even more that it was the first killings of this killer like because he it. is so proud of it. He's not trying to hide it. No, I wrote here that, that the cave inscription feels like something that people would post on their Facebook walls like back in 2010. Bye <laughs> um, bye, fools. Um. um creativity was this i mean he was before his time this was 77 um so gene Leroy hart was born on november 27th 1943 and he was 34 at the time of the Mm. murders um this man gene had been eluding the police like escaping the police since 1973 so four years years. because he escaped from the mays county jail um, he sawed through the bars in a cell window, which is like old school as fuck. Uh, so yeah, he's been, he's been like fleeing for four years and he, 
was raised about a mile from Camp Scott. So you know how I talked about Locust Grove? Yeah. The like close ass town. Yeah. That's like kind of where he was from. Okay. He was from there. So he was familiar with the area. He was a Native American man from the Cherokee tribe. Okay. Um, so Gene in nineteen sixty six got up to some sketchy shit. Okay. He abducted two pregnant women. Drove to a forest on the outskirts of Locust Grove, which is that town close to Camp Scott, and he raped them. He had been convicted of kidnapping and the rape of these two women, as well as four counts of first-degree burglary. Um, The women were also bound with duct tape and rope, which is similar to the girls at Camp Scott. And after the rapes of these two women, in an apparent attempt to murder them, he closed off their noses and mouths with duct tape and left them to die in the woods. So he was in prison for this? Yeah. He escaped? Yeah. And they could never find him, basically. Um, so the women actually, like, obviously untied themselves and were able to, like, raise alarm and escape. And the women described oh, him as women. being, honestly, pregnant. Oh. Both of them. Um... So the women described him as being incoherent, incoherent during the rape, and that he made strange growling noises. <gasps> no, what the fuck? <laughs> Which could be yeah. be linked to the murder of the Girl Scouts. Remember the guttural noises yeah. that we talked about. Um, Gene eventually admitted to both of the rapes, and he was sentenced to a total of three hundred and five years in prison, which he escaped wow. from. Um. So police actually believe that the local Cherokee community in Oklahoma had been sheltering Gene ever since he had escaped from jail, which is why they had trouble finding him. That that was what they believed. Mm. Um, so two weeks after the Girl Scout murders, a farmer reported that he had seen Gene on a hillside, just like strolling around. And on further investigation, police found where the farmer had seen Gene. They found four fires, like put out fires and cigarette butts. Um, and the butts from the cigarettes were, like, pulled out, which was, like, a Native American tradition or something. Oh, really? So, yeah. Okay. So they knew that it was, Strange. like, Native American yeah. linked. And the butts were tested positive for the same O-type blood as heart, as Gene had. Oh, so there was a link there. Um, they also found a boot print that matched the size of the blood print in 10-8. I think it was, like, a size 9 or something. Okay, so at this point, they're sure that it's Gene, no, right? No, Gene had a size 11. Okay, but they're sure that the person that was lighting these fires is the same person that was inside the they tent. They just linked the blood type. Anyone? I mean, I have O type blood. Okay, okay, that's really that I, like, broad. Okay. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's something. It narrows yeah. it down, but it doesn't like inconclusive. Like it, yeah, ju- it no, doesn't. No, no. They're not like without a doubt. Um, one day, the security guards that had been using like the great hall at the campsite as their mm-hmm. office. They found a bag that had been left by the door, and the bag had pink socks and a pair of tennis shoes with the name Denise Milner written inside no. in the bag, and both the socks and the shoes were wet. I just, that part just really creeps me out. Like, why are they but wet? like, like days or weeks after the crime? Weeks after. And they were wet. Yeah. So that, like, is like, that's like recent intentional water dumping and they putting just in the back they left it like at the like someone came back yeah. to that and left it there randomly like there was no note nothing literally just the shoes and the pink socks both wet just, 
Um, so they said that they found a print of a tennis shoe and a boot. Mm-hmm. So two different things. Was it tennis shoe confirmed to be Denise's? No, or? the okay. tennis shoe was adult. Adult. Sized, okay. Not okay. eight-year-old or ten-year-old child sized. You know, the thing like in the cave with the killer has been here. And then the dropping of the tennis shoes that really enrages me is like so now you're trying to be caught you're yeah. trying to get attention like for this cocky, Go fuck off yeah how cocky can you be yeah. nothing ended up coming of this lead they couldn't mm-hmm. figure it out um and after a 10 month manhunt they managed to track down gene hart on april 6 1979 which was almost two, two years. years after the event. It's still to this date the longest and largest manhunt in Oklahoma history. Um, he was charged with three first-degree murders, so one for each of the girls, and a jury of six men and six women deliberated for five minutes before five minutes deadass five minutes before finding Jean Leroy Hart innocent on may 30th 1979 i was gonna say wait why was he charged i thought we didn't have enough evidence they linked the the crap in the cave to him and the crap in the cave individually linked back to okay. the camp so, so why did enough. they find them innocent so i this is my header reasons why innocent okay colon <laughs> i thought that. this through um let me first add so he was found innocent on march 30th 1979 um this bitch died of a heart attack on june 4th fuck off. 1979 he didn't so deserve like that. what two months he didn't deserve that yeah so the reasons why the jury thought no just randomly died I don't think he was in I actually, good question, because he was supposed to be in jail for 305 years. I would th- I would think they would put him back in jail after they yeah. caught him. Maybe. And if he was back in jail, he probably just, like, overdosed, like, killed himself. No? I mean, he probably was, like, some unhealthy old man. Probably. He was, no, he was only, like, 36 at this point. Yeah, I know. He, I mean, God took care of it. Gave him a heart attack. Good. So the reasons why the jury thought he was innocent... So the glasses, the prescription glasses that they found that were from the camp counselor, the defendant, uh, the prosecutor obviously was like, they're linked to the camp. They're from the camp counselor. So that's another reason that puts him at the yeah. camp, Scott. Um, the defendant, so Hart's attorneys, claimed that the glasses had been taken from Hart's previous rape victims. So the two pregnant women. Okay, and say, so... No one could confirm that. Yeah, so Hart... So I'm, I'm going to start calling him Gene again. Hart is confusing. Gene, basically... So since he already had admitted to those two rapes and like he had already gotten 305 years, he might as well continue to blame crap on that. On that, yeah. He basically said that those glasses were from that particular incident and the defendant claimed that the police had planted the rest of the evidence that would link him sure. to Cam Scott. Sus. Um, a waitress had also testified that she had seen a nervous man at her diner, which was 15 miles from Camp Scott, on the morning of the killings. So she said she saw some random guy who was like really jittery and weird, and she like noticed it. But based off of this testifying identification, an actual alternative suspect emerged from that. So someone completely knew that they were like, maybe he's okay. the killer of the Camp Scott murders his name is william stevens he's also a convicted rapist um and an 11 year old camper had 
even seen William Stevens on the Camp Scott grounds days before the murders. So he had been physically seen at the site a couple of days before the as murders As much took place. as I want to be like, oh my God, this Gene guy, fucking you did it, just own up to it. I don't want to be saying that and then someone just goes yeah. and live their lives yeah. and they've actually done it. Ugh. So, yeah. So... Another reason why they would think that this new guy, William Stevens, was the killer is because one of his friends, Dwayne Peters, claimed that he had loaned Stevens the flashlight, which they had found at the site of the, the murders, okay. and that Stevens had actually admitted to killing those three girls to him in October of 1977. What the actual So, fuck? like, four months after the murders. Okay, and, and did Stevens and Eugene... They're Eugene. not related they don't know each other no, at all no. it's still weird to me because the two different footprints like the tennis yeah. shoe and the boot and the fact that they the autopsy said that there was like a left-handed right-handed okay person. also all the girls were raped and like the evidence when was found mm-hmm. inside of them mm-hmm. run the fucking dna it's 2021 speak of that oh okay <laughs> so this Part is called post-death moment. Okay. It's, we're almost at the end. So in 1989, DNA testing was again done on the semen samples found at the scene that showed that three out of the five probes that was taken was a match with Gene's DNA. Okay, fuck you, Gene. I knew it. Uh, but like three out yeah. of five. Yeah. So two weren't. Yeah. I'm, I don't know if they were like a fail or like an inconclusive okay, where's gene at this point dead bro he oh, died, dad, right. he oh, died 10 years off. prior yeah so they were never able to like actually pinpoint the murder camp scott obviously closes gates and never opened again you can actually it's still there so yeah the crimes are still considered unsolved to this day because they don't but have like so two of the five samples were not linked to gene so we think that there was a second the article that talked about this just said that three out of the five was linked they didn't talk about the other two i mean, obviously they're not linked to anyone else i feel yeah. like they would have said that but they weren't just not gene's dna so i would assume there's a second person but then like why would someone say that their friends confessed to them a lot of fucked up he... people out there yeah those are the murders of camp scott the girl scout murders from 1977 Ugh. And then yeah. imagine being in 10-7. You dodged that bullet. Uh, the flap opening and the flap, like, but then insane. If the flap actually opened, what made them decide not to? Maybe they saw if there was four people in that tent, not three. I have no idea. Or like eight was just a little bit more isolated than seven. I don't know. I have no also, idea. the girls from 10-2 that went to... The bathroom just an Dude, hour early. Yeah, yeah. Damn. So many incidences where I'm like, you never, you genuinely never know when there's like danger nearby until it's too late. Also, if there's um, someone on the loose that is supposed to be in jail for more than 300 years oh and he lives in the area, yeah. maybe not have like a camp 
in the woods there i'm exactly like he raped two pregnant women and attempted to murder them the only reason they didn't get killed is because they escaped because of them like their own sheer force it was not his yeah. decision for them to live oh that's such a good case but yeah those are the girl scout murders hate him yeah all man. right bummer anyway so I guess materials on this and like, cause I'm very curious to see where the tents were located. Yeah. Um, we'll be up on our Instagram. Mm-hmm. If you fo- want to follow us here, it's just at Afterwork Murder Club. Um, this case was brought to you by Elisa. And next week you'll hear one brought by Sophie. Thank you for listening. And I guess we'll catch you next week. Bye guys. Bye.